Hey community, I hope you're doing so well. So I have such a powerful, impactful, and quite an emotional moving session for you all today. I had the amazing opportunity to finally interview my beautiful friend, Kate Irvine. We've been trying to set this up now for a while. Kate's also a fellow hypnotist, so we go quite deep into subconscious reprogramming and how to create change on a deep subconscious level. So just a little about Kate. Kate has been in the health and wellness game for over 10 years now. She has worked with Olympic athletes, executives, and everyday people ready to be the best versions of themselves. Kate is qualified in hypnotherapy, nutrition, body talk, and neuroscience. Her work is all about taking a full holistic approach with meeting you exactly where you are and taking small consistent steps to get massive results. So before we deep dive into the conversation, I just wanted to share with the listeners a little about how I actually met you. So I met you during the first stages of my podcast and I wanted to begin to interview people and bring people on the show and just to expand and to create a bit more of a conversation around different topics. And so I went straight to Instagram um, because of the amount of coaches and authors and musicians and I felt a bit overwhelmed. There's a lot of noise on Instagram. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so I stood back a little bit and just thought I'd just wait and just put the intention out there. Anyways, we're both following the same person on Instagram, Hella Weston, amazing woman. And I clicked on her stories and she shared one of your posts. And I'm like, huh, okay, it was something about like hypnotherapy in the mind. I'm like, hmm, this chick looks pretty cool. Anyways, I clicked on the post and it took me to your profile. And I'm like, whoa, like this chick's making waves. It was like hypnotherapy, mindset coach, working with executives and athletes to create massive change. Like that was your bio. I'm like, wow, like I need this, I need this beautiful woman on my podcast. She's a game changer. And so I reached out to you and it took a little while to set up a conversation, but it's all good. We're here. Perfect time. Welcome, Kate. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so, so much. And I received that so much. I was like getting chills as you were talking. I love that. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it was, you know, like you say, when when you reached out and we connected, I was like, I really, there's something about you. And, you know, I love what, the work that you're doing. I love the change work. And I admire so much your authenticity and that rawness and realness, because I think so much of the time we're missing that on social media, you know, and I, I admire myself for when I do it, I admire others to do it. Cause I'm like, Hey, let's just show up as who we are. Right. Thanks Kate. Yeah. I feel that deeply. I feel that the human soul is craving authenticity now more than ever. And I deeply feel that that's what makes people really attractive, actually. (laughs) So thank you for that. So, Kate, I want to deep dive into the nitty gritty of you. And you've got such a powerful story of change and transformation. And I feel like just our healing journey and our story of transformation has such a powerful way of igniting the flame in a human soul to get radically urgent about life. You've worked with athletes and executives, and I'm sure it hasn't always been like this, yeah? So, Kate, what was your life like before? Like, how did you get into the work that you're doing today? I'd love to just deep dive into this conversation. Yeah, such a beautiful question. Life is just such a beautiful journey in itself, right? And it's all our perspective of the way we look at it. So I grew up in a 
I would say it was a, a good family, but, you know, from the age of about 18 months, my uh, dad and my mom split up. And obviously I don't really have any conscious recollection of that. And my mom is a beautiful soul is what she was. She was very mentally unwell and she was a very, very functional alcoholic. And uh, my sister and I, my sister, she's 17, uh, seven years older than me. So she lived with my dad and, and I lived with my mom. And my mum was this beautiful, gorgeous woman who, you know, we she was Miss Auckland in 1992 or something like that. You know, she's just gorgeous. She was just tall. She was lean, this beautiful olive skin and just amazing. But she just had a lot of inner battles, you know, and she was actually one of the first in New Zealand to suffer from malaria from being, uh, yeah, bitten by the mosquito and things like that. So side effects of that too are mental illness, you know. So we do sort of think, you know, a part of that was you know to do with her alcoholism and uh, she actually passed away and took her own life when I was seven years old and the trauma around that was was pretty heavy you know and at the time being seven I was kind of just picked up and shipped off to a brand new family being my dad and my stepmom uh, my stepmom's daughters and my sister. And, you know, it, they did everything that they could. You know, it was, I was treated very, very well. I was looked after and all these things. But the biggest thing that was missing was I was never taught to grieve. You know, I was never told to grieve. I was never really encouraged too much to grieve in the way that I needed. It was in the way that they felt was best for me at that time, you know. And as a young seven-year-old, it was it was just that mind was just like, well, how, but why? And all these questions, you know, and, um, and, you know, I had experienced some time with some counselors and things like that, which was great, you know, and I definitely think that it was a big, you know, help towards it. But then sort of from the age of about 13, I started to play out with my behavior and lying and stealing and, and all these things and this behavior that I was just, that was my expression of my grief, you know, and, and not knowing how to deal with that. And then, yeah, sort of from the age of about 18, I got involved with class A drugs and, you know, hung out with some pretty interesting people. Uh, and thankfully, you know, I was never sexually abused. I was never, you know, abused in any way. But, you know, I look back upon that time in my life and it was a pretty interesting time. You know, the I guess the depths of the people that I hung out with in reflection, they were very dangerous to society. They were quite sort of, you know, um, I guess kind of like your underbelly type scene, you mm. know, and I was a female that had come along out of nowhere and for whatever reason, you know, believe in what you want to believe in. I was very protected uh, and, you know, I could have easily ended up six feet under or behind mm. bars very, very quickly, but I didn't, you know, and I look at back upon that time and it was about three and a half, four years of my time that I spent in that world. And wow. I was very numb, very, very numb. I was numb to everything. I was numb to any emotion, whether that be happiness or anger, you know, any, any sort of side of it. And I remember quite clearly experiencing that time and understanding, I knew it was my grieving process, but when people would say, oh, you know, like, oh, where's your family or, or where's your parents? And I'd be like, oh, my mom died when I was young, you know, and it was very short and sharp, you know, and they're like, oh, that's really sad. I'm like, it is what it is, you know, and I, I shut off that emotional center. And I think for me at the time, I look back in reflection and think, wow, that poor girl was just hurting 
just absolutely hurting. And I came away from that, that sort of world and, and rehabilitated myself. And I got told, oh, you'll never get off those drugs and you'll never, you know, this, that, the other. And the drug of choice was methamphetamine, you know, so it was pretty up there in the sense of trying to rehab. And I got told that, you know, you'll have to go on this methadone program and you'll have to do this and, and all these things. And I really remember having this one encounter with this police officer once and he just really helped shift and change my perspective on what I was doing with my life, uh, where I was heading and where I could potentially head, you know, and that got me into fitness. You know, my biggest thing I found was coming away from that world and going, what else is going to give me the hit that the drugs would give me? (laughs) You know, and for me, it was fitness. You know, I sort of teamed up with a kickboxing gym and and did a lot of that. And I started understanding, you know, back then dopamine and serotonin and and Mm -hmm. understanding the neural pathways of how the brain sort of connects into that. And so then from there, I went into fitness and, you know, went and studied and and all this time, you know, going through sort of my, my own about nine months rehabilitation, just sleeping and eating and you know, came across the book, The Law of Attraction, The Secret, you know, which I think everybody has probably read. And if you haven't, and you're starting out in this journey, definitely read it. It's an amazing book just to sort of get your mind started. And I remember manifesting getting my family back in my life. That was the biggest thing I wanted to manifest. And at that point, you know, my family, bless them all, had said, you know, like, we need to give her tough love. She needs to go and do what she needs to do. And, you know, she'll come back to us when she's ready. And going away and studying and and sort of bringing myself back into society was quite weird because I was starting to understand emotions and how they worked Mm -hmm. and how I perceived those and how they interacted in my body and my mind because I'd really kind of separated the two. So it was all very foreign for me. And obviously learning as well, coming back into study and and things like that was like, whoa, this is, you know, my brain has been absolutely fried for the last four years. And it was kind of like, what's going on here, you know? So that was really interesting. And then getting into nutrition, I sort of put the two hand in hand and, and really started to understand the effects on how the mind was connected into the body with food. And the old saying, you know, you are what you eat literally is so true you know and I definitely believe that the healing process of my body was through food as well and instead of taking you know all these prescription pills and things like that of what I was recommended to take I was like no I can do this through food and so my my craving for study and for knowledge just got literally a brand new addiction (laughs) so it was it was really going into that sense of of understanding the mind-body connection and how nutrition has such a big impact And along the way, you know, discovering and finding is that when I sort of integrated myself back into society and and had a job and doing this for a living, I started to see people's pain. I started to see that not only was I turning up to give this personal training session and this nutrition guidance, people were starting to say to me, I want to lose 10 kilos. You know, it it was this classic, like, I want to lose 10 kilos. It's like, okay, why? Oh, I just want to feel good about myself. I just, I just want to be how I used to be. I just want to be happy again. So witnessing this sort of pattern, this behavior of this like constant, I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel happy again. Mm -hmm. I started to soon see is that it was nothing to do with the food. It was nothing to do with the exercise. It was all in the mind. Every single part of it was in the mind. 
And at that point, you know, I remember back then, if someone had said to me, like, what's the unconscious mind, Kate? I would have been like, I have no clue, <laughs> you know, but my, my curiosity took me, you know, into the depths of understanding, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza was one of my first ever teachers. And that's all, you know, quantum law and physics and neuroscience, you know, so that took me into the really depths of it. And I was like, I love this stuff, you know, so pulling in, you know, the, the physical fitness side of it, the moving your body, you know, the nutrition, what you're fueling that body with, and also bringing in the unconscious mind and the quantum side of it and bringing in sort of a form and understanding the spiritual aspects of where it can lead to or where it can sort of morph into and where that spiritual aspect plays with it was absolutely huge. And as you know, everyone is so, so different. There is not one unconscious mind that I've found that is ever the same. It's kind of like your fingerprint, (laughs) you know? So, and I really love, I love variety right? Everything in my life, I love writing. Nothing's ever the same, same. Nothing's ever boring. It's always, you know, morphing and changing. And I truly believe that the trajectory of my career led me into that. And I became so passionate about it because I was like, every single client is so different. Yes, I started to witness themes of self-belief, self-love, self-worth, self-respect, but they were also different in how they related to those things right? So what self-love looked like for one did not look like for another, you know? And I kind of like to call my service, it's kind of like the sliding scale, you know, from a one to a 10. If you're at a one, I'll meet you at a one and I'll take you to a two. You know, if you're at a 10, I'll meet you at a 10 and we'll see where we go from there, you know? But I definitely believe it's not meeting someone at a two and being like, right, let's take you to a 10. It's like, just meet someone where they're at and take them to where they need to go right? And as you know, the power of the unconscious mind, the power of the higher self, the power of the soul being knows where it needs to go. It knows exactly what it needs to do to be able to break everything down. And here today, fast forwarding all this time later, you know, it's it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing that I am so blessed to call a job. It never feels like a job, you know, and blessed to, you know, be my own sort of mentor, my own boss, my own guru, you know, my own person in creating this empire to be able to help people, you know, just allow them to see their true essence, allow them to see what's holding them back does not have to be that way. That change is actually really easy if you want to change. So that's kind of, yeah, the background for me. And, and as you mentioned, Hella, I, she is a soul sister from such a deep level. And, um, you know, breathwork was a big modality for me. I went and did, I was luck, lucky enough, um, would have been five years now, ago now, to head to Ubud uh, in Bali with uh, Victoria, who was part of the, the crew at the time, and then Lucas, uh, Hella's partner and Hella. And it was just such an eye-opening experience. And Hella has been such a beautiful part of my life all these many years, as has Lucas and as has Victoria. And just witnessing this, them grow and adapt and their stories, I didn't feel like I wasn't able to do it because they sort of gave me that inspiration. Like, yeah. well, they've come from this. I've come from this. I didn't feel like an odd one out. I wasn't therefore shamed of my drug past or shamed that I didn't have a mum or shamed that I grew up not knowing X, Y, Z 
because it was like they sort of helped give me the permission to see that. So that was a huge, huge part for me as well. Kate, first of all, thank you so much for being so authentic and so open and so vulnerable and sharing your story with the community. It's so, so relatable and I honor you, sister. I wanted to dive into something. You mentioned that you were on meth for four years. What was that trigger for you? What was that wake up call for you that you were just like, I've got to get my shit together? Like, why was it worth it for you to get clean? What was driving your behavior to get clean? Huge. Such a beautiful question. So, yeah, it was like three and a half years of constant use. And that sort of like last six to nine months was sort of like the cleanup of it. So that was kind of like the I'm giving up two weeks later. I'm back here again. I'm giving up three months later. I'm back here again, you know, and, and like anything, right. Whether it's sugar, whether it's Coke, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's drugs, you know, you never, well, I don't want to say never, it's very few and far between that will, you know, sort of quit cold Turkey in that Mm -hmm. sense. There's always sort of like that dance between I want to quit. This is the familiar and then going into the unfamiliar, you know, until we start to change that. So it's such an interesting question. You ask this and, as you know, you know, connecting into the senses, my my olfactory sense, my smell sense is very, very strong. And I remember one day I, I must have been an absolute mess and I'd probably been awake for about three or four days straight. And I remember being in this hotel that I'd sort of checked myself into and I was like, I need a break, you know, like this is getting crazy, you know, and there was so much violence outside of me that I witnessed But I was, I look back in hindsight now and I'm like, man, I witnessed some crazy shit, you know? And I always say to people, it's kind of like I was in a movie that you'd never believe even if I told you, you know? And it was, and it was just, I always happened to be just that little bit far out of it to not be involved in it, to not get harmed, to not get, you know? And it was just, I look back now and I'm like, for whatever reason, you know, I don't believe in coincidences, but it's like there was a there was a reason I was never harmed or whatever. I came very, very close to it a number of times. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in this hotel and it was like this smell and feeling of like fresh sheets. And my beautiful stepmom, Sue, who's now passed, um, she, you know, just had a certain way to doing washing. And I remember one time just, you know, like as a little girl, just smelling those sheets and feeling so safe and you're so so comforted and it was that that sort of made me be like what am I doing like Mm -hmm. what are you actually doing to your life because you're actually wrecking your life right now right you've at a blink of an eye you've ended up in this world that is very dark very dangerous and you're killing your family from the inside out as Mm -hmm. they have to stand by and witness you what did they ever do to deserve this what would your mom think if she was here, right? Yeah. And it was like, where's the next five years from now? Like literally, where is the next? Because it was not going to be in a good place, you yeah. know? And I was very fortunate that I was surrounded by, you know, old school guys that had been in the game all their life that were very like father figures to me and very dangerous people from one perspective, but also very loving at the same time. And luckily enough for me, I only ever experienced the loving side. I definitely saw the dangerous side to them, but that was never something that was done to me, very thankfully. And I remember them often saying to me like, hey, what are you doing? 
Like, what are you doing in this world? This world is not for you. Like you're going to get, you know, if you keep going, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble, you know? And I was like, oh, but you know, this, this, this. And it was just that day or it might've even been night, probably early hours of the night. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just that, that moment of like, what are you doing? You're actually wrecking your life. And it was kind of like, I'd hit rock bottom so badly and I just had that craving for my family back in my life. I was just like, I want them back so much and I'm done. Like I'm literally scared. And I was so scared at that point that I was like, I actually don't know what's next mm -hmm. because quite a lot of it was very predictable. A lot of people around me were either, you know, just vanishing or they were ending up in jail or, or whatever else. And I was like, I'm scared of that. You know, mm -hmm. I was a tough, tough girl back then and there was a lot I could handle but I was like I'm done you know I, I'm just done and I nothing is predictable anymore mm. and at that point it was like I didn't know how you know in my eyes I was like my family's never going to take me back ever mm. you know and I was so scared of that and I thought even if they don't you still need to get out you need to take the risk and it was mm. taking the risk and coming into the unknown like I don't know how I don't know where I'm going to go I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know anything, but I know here is not where I want to be, is not where I want to be because this is getting darker and dangerous and way more scary. And yeah. I, I, I don't want a part of it, right? And it was taking that plunge in order to be like, I'll just figure it out along the way. I will just figure it out along the way, you know? And I did. And it was, if you can, you know, I guess comprehend someone coming off such a heavy drug often feeling very delirious when I was mm -hmm. super sober because my body was just craving that hit yeah. and it was like okay I'll sleep on a friend's couch for a few weeks okay I'll do this and I had a friend say to me you're in a state like my my home is a family home with me and my kids she was a single mom and she's mm -hmm. like I've got a spare room you don't have to pay rent but you have to promise me you'll never bring that shit into my house mm -hmm. And I was like, family home, right? That's what drew me was like, well, I want my family back. I need to go where it's going to be familiar to what it is I want. Yeah, yes. Right? And going into that, again, it was that, you know, jumping into the spare room bed, the clean sheets. And I was like, okay, I'm one step closer to where I want to be. Yeah. I'm so far from where I want to be, but I'm still one step closer than what I was, you know? And my promise to her was so, so deep that when I did go through those rebound parts, I'd just leave the house in five days. Cause I was like, I'm never going to bring it into the house. It's a family home. But I was so messed up in my head that I was like back there again. It's like, okay, not again. Come back for another few weeks back there again. Mm -hmm. So it's like this dance. Right. And I think when it comes to change work, you do, you do this dance, right? I think people live in fairyland if they think that change work is just boom and it's done. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's not be silly about this now. You know, we're not living. Yes, the Harry Potter world is very real. <laughs> but it's also the factor of realizing is that you can change as much as you're prepared to change. It's going to take as long as what you let it. Right. And that's the biggest thing. You're only going to get in your own way. Now, if you get out of your own way, the change will happen a lot smoother, mm. a lot easier. And probably also a lot quicker in linear time. Mm. But it's you that gets in your own way. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And when we don't surrender to the process, when we don't trust, when we go and buy into that story of fear, like, oh, I can't do this. This is too much. This isn't me. You know, this is weird. Change is hard. <laughs> then, yeah, you're getting in your own way, you know, and I did that many a times. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I had that sort of contact, initial contact. My sister was one of the first that I sort of kept in contact with via email. She wouldn't even talk to me on the phone. And fair enough, you know. And I never forget the day I rang my grandparents. And at that point, I think it was probably about probably about a three month, like 12 weeks consecutive that I'd been absolutely sober for. And I, there was just something inside me that was like, ring your grandparents. I was too scared to ring my dad, too scared. And I was like, just ring your grandparents. They were such a big, you know, part of my life growing up. And when I rung them, it was just this feeling of like, oh, they didn't hang up. Oh. Right. They didn't hang up. They didn't tell me all the stories inside my mind of what I thought was going to happen. I thought and had played out in my mind so many times, they're going to hang up. They're going to tell you to get lost. They're going to tell you they never want to see you again. All these negative things. And I was so scared of that. I was like, oh my God, all this is going to happen. But you don't know until you try, right? Mm. And I had to try. What did I have to lose by trying? What did I have to lose? Nothing. So when I rung them and I think their relief and hearing my voice and my relief and hearing their voice and their voice continue and the phone not just hang up, was the big you know turning point for me was just super huge you know and then from there that after their phone call literally straight after I rang my dad and again he didn't hang up you know so I was like okay you're another step closer like you're doing good you know but it's like I say some people and and I'm definitely one of those people I had to hit rock bottom face first onto bloody hot lava (laughs) to, to really have that turnaround is such a big thing This is such a powerful theme and I see this over and over and over again, right? It's the human condition. Like what does it take to actually put up my hand and finally reach out and ask for help? Do I wait until my health gets that bad before my mental health gets that bad, before my relationship gets that toxic that I finally put up my hand and I finally reach out for help, either a therapist, a coach, psychologist or whatever, I wanted to ask you, Kate, is that when clients do reach out to you when they do hit that rock bottom? And I'm sure many listeners are either at that place or maybe know someone at that place. And if so, what advice would you give them to help to catapult and change the trajectory of their life? Yeah, such a beautiful. I'll answer both those questions, those questions separately. So like you say, like a lot of my clients, you know, I I deal with a really wide variety of people and I love that. I deal with Olympic athletes that have just been come back from Tokyo Olympics. Oh. I deal with CEOs. I deal with mums, with dads, you know, with military, with university students and with just everyday people, you know. So it can go from someone that earns, you know, eight to 10 figures a year and someone that's on a benefit, someone that has been through all these jobs in their life and, and got all these accolades and someone that's like, hey, I've just come off using drugs in the last six months. I'm like, great, right? To me, everyone is equal. But I think at some point in their life, they have hit a rock bottom, whether that's mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, or all the above, right? Everyone is so different. And I think, People have to feel a certain amount of pain in order to want to change. And it's interesting because 
people's pain thresholds, just like physical pain, people's mental pain thresholds are also very different. So very different, right? So someone might, you know, go through a, a very, you know, what one perceives as a small amount of trauma and be like, holy heck, that was super scary. Never again. And then someone might have to feel that 30 times over and then be like, okay, now I'm ready to change. Right. So everyone is so, so different. So yeah, people of all walks of life come to me. And I love that. I love that. I never took the advice of like, Hey, find your niche kind of person. Mm. My niche person is anyone that wants to change. And in my opinion, Everyone wants, to change. Everyone wants to change on some level, you know, and I don't think change work should be shut off to just this group of people, you know, in, in my world, it might be to other coaches and that's absolutely fine. But in my world, I'm like, hey, if you're willing to change, let's just have a chat, mm-hmm. you know, is, is the big thing. And then to answer your second question, it's, yeah, I, I think the advice for someone yeah. is what have you got to lose? right because if what you've been doing has not been working out for you so far what other option do you have other than to try Mm. because you know tony robbins once said it and he said if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always got Mm. and that sat so deep with me is that it's like hey if you keep re-blotting the copybook of all the things and behaviors and and stuff that you've done within your life, expecting a different result, you're barking up the wrong tree. Mm. And change is uncomfortable. Change is different. Change is the unfamiliar. But it's like, what have you got to lose if you try? What? It works? Probably, Mm. right? Mm. And people do get scared of change because it's that it's you know it's stepping out of the norm it's stepping out of the un or stepping into the unfamiliar but when you feel and experience what is on the other side of that that is something you know you'll never go back to and I know for me personally you know everyone told me oh that's the most addictive drug in the world it's this Mm -hmm. it's that you'll always go back it'll always be in your system story 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 if I had have bought into that fear And that sort of, it was almost like, you know, and unfortunately this came from a lot of uh, doctors that I guess really had a a one set mind. And there's some amazing doctors out there that are really open to it. But these doctors were like pretty much ripped me off, you know, and we're like, you're just going to end up back at square one. So here, take this prescription drug here, take this, you know, there there was no sort of inner change work in that sense. And if I had have bought into that and given up on myself, yeah life would be very, very different, very different indeed, you know, and people that are here now wanting to change, it's like, be brave, be that person you want to be. Because if you lived a life without being scared of changing, what would you do differently? Yeah, that question is so powerful. If you could live a life and not be afraid of changing, what would you do differently? Just contemplating that question cracks me open to an abundance of possibilities and dreams and goals that I have for my life. You know, Kate, you were mentioning before that, you know, clients come to you when their life gets that bad and it's just hitting that rock rock bottom where I put my hand up and I say, I need some help. There's also another motivating factor that inspires people to change. And that's from a deep place of inspiration, right? Having a vision and purpose for one's life and saying, I need to heal myself. I need to transform myself because I have gifts and I want to use them to uplift the world in my unique way and to create massive impact. I feel like 
we are driven to change from a place of desperation and also for purpose also having that passion and vision for one's life which comes back to giving meaning to someone's life and so Kate I wanted to get more into your particular work as a transformational mindset coach and I wanted to ask you specifically how do you ignite that change in your clients and what does your specific work look like such a cool question and you know, I feel like I could sit here for five hours and answer that question with you. Yeah. You know, we could have such a cool chat about that. I think, you know, again, like I say, everyone's so different. So someone's change work over here is very different to over here, right? It's very accustomed to the person. And I think it's understanding what really lights them up, right? What really lights them up? Is it something motivating and inspiring or is there pain what actually inspires them to change, right? It can be it can be either either. But I think people understanding is that they are where they are. And as soon as they accept that, that activates an, an emotional center of freedom. Because you can't change what was. It is as it is. And the minute you learn to accept that and make peace with that, that hits that freedom button. And once that freedom button gets hit, that's when we start to open up. That's when we go into the fact of like, hey, what's your life look like in six months time, six mm-hmm. years time, six da da da, right? Yeah. What is it you actually want? Not what you think you want. What do you actually want? Behind closed doors, take everything away, go into the rawness. What is it you actually want? What is it you want to be, do, have, experience, give? right? Those are kind of my five, be, do, experience, have, and give, because you can be anything you want, right? You can manifest and have anything materialistic you want. You can experience any type of experience you want, right? You can give any love, any, everything you want, and you can do anything you want, right? When someone says, oh, I want to go to Mars. Great go tap on Elon Dawes' mask and be like, hey, buddy, can I come to Mars with you, right? <laughs> if that's truly what calls you, go and do it. Yes, yeah. you're going to have to make sacrifices along the way. You're going to have to maybe give up some things and apply yourself in a different way. But if that's what's true to you, then do it. The path will be very clear for you to do it. But I think mm-hmm. where people these days is that they don't go behind closed doors and ask that question right? They're on social media being like, oh, well, that person does that. I want to do that. I want to do that. No, 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 no. Let's back it up for a second here. Mm -hmm. Remove social media, remove the external, remove the noise, go within and uh, and, in whatever way that looks like for you, right? Some people, it's a, it's a 10 day Vipassana sit. Some day, some, some people are like, oh, I just need to sit with myself for five minutes and meditation is not my thing. And I can just ask myself that. Some people, it's a breathwork journey. Some people, it's an ayahuasca journey. Some people, it's just, I can write it all down. Some people can just sit and have the image in their mind. And they're like, all of that other stuff doesn't interest me, but I know exactly what I want up here. I'm like, brilliant. Let's, let's go into what's up here, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is so different. And I think once you hit into the freedom, that's when the expansion comes. Yeah. That's when the noise and everything just starts to quiet and down. And that true essence, that true calling, that inner truth, that knowing of what is it I actually want? Mm -hmm. What is it I want my path to look like? What Mm -hmm. is it I'm actually here to do, right? Because without that freedom, 
it's so noisy in the mind, right? And I always say to people, if you don't use the mind, it will use you. And if it uses you, it's probably not a very fun time. (laughs) Not at all. Right? And even if you're coming from a place of inspiration, right? Let's say you see someone and you're like, oh my gosh, my life is super great. And I really inspired to do this. That is amazing. Mm. Is that your truth? Mm. Right? Because it's the, it's duality, right? It's the flip side of the coin. Are you doing it because it's your truth or are you doing it because it looks super fancy and it looks cool? Right. And I think when people come into that authenticity of themselves, people stop worrying about like, oh, well, that's weird. Or my friends might not like me, or I don't know about this change because it's not the trend. If it's true to you, do it. Mm-hmm. Right. People that are true to you will stick around. Events that are true to you, you will create. You will be wherever you want to be. You'll go wherever you want to go. But the biggest mistake I see people say uh, do is that they hold themselves back. They worry about everything outside of them rather than leading from the inside, yeah. right? And when people talk about self-love, I'm like, oh, it goes so deeper, so, so much deeper, oh. right? It's mm-hmm. that power of being so present with yourself and accessing that freedom. You have to be present, right? You have to be present and aware of what's going on. And understanding yourself for yourself, not trying to be like someone else, not trying to do what someone else does, do what needs to be done for you is, is the really big thing. So yeah, in a roundabout way to, to, to answer your question, it's it's just accessing people's inner freedom, yeah. you know, and, and their truth in what's what's true to them, you know, and that will that will change over time, as you know, right? Change is the only constant. That will change over time. And that's okay. It's meant to, but you've got to be there to change with it and do the dance of life. Because if you hold yourself back and life is trying to happen for you, you're like, oh, just hang out back here in my pain or hang out back here where I'm like, oh, I don't want to change. It's too scary or I'm not good enough for that. It's like, no, 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 no. Off you trot. Like dance with the path of life. Change is the only constant. So powerful. I love this, Kate. I wanted to tap into... We do similar work. You've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of people. And I wanted to go more into what stops people from touching their 120%, right? What main beliefs or self-sabotaging behaviors do you see in your clients that stop them from touching their full potential in this lifetime? You know, what are the three main limiting beliefs that constantly come up with your clients? Yeah, so let's go that, right? One, two, or three beliefs. So number one, fear, right? If someone, you know, people listening to this now, if they know what an acronym is, you know, fear is an acronym. If they don't want to know know an acronym is, write fear in the length way. Instead of going across the right page, write it in the length way. F, false. E, evidence. A, appearing. R, real. Fear. Mm -hmm. False, evidence, appearing real. Now, if the listeners now break that down, it's like, holy heck, what are you scared of in life, right? If you lived a life without false evidence appearing real, how would you live your life? How, what does life look like now? Probably very, very different. So fear is the number one, right? And this can stem from childhood. This can stem from just one, one event within their life, you know, and, and fear comes into the story of number two being, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's about understanding that, 
Who said that? When did you believe that? When did you, when did that start? Mm. What sent that off, right? You didn't come out the womb being like, I'm not good enough, right? We, these are all learned behaviors and beliefs somewhere along the way that are over and over and over being practiced at an unconscious level and conscious level sometimes that is just over and over. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do X. I'm not, you know, I've been through this many a times on myself, probably will go through it many more times within my life. Right. It's constant is I'm not good enough, you know, but once you start to become aware and say, if I was good enough and I lived in a state of freedom, what would I be doing differently? Right. Because if you're in freedom, there ain't no room for fear, mm. right? That deep inner freedom of just like, I'm finally free, you know, is, is so, so huge. So yeah, fear would be number one. Mm. You know, I'm not good enough, you know, would be definitely a big belief that I, I hear is quite common is what will people think of me, you know, or I might not be accepted or people might think I'm weird or, or whatever it might be. It's like, you do you. People yeah. are too busy these days worrying about X, Y, Z. You do you, mm. you know, because if I always say to my clients quite often is that if everyone disappeared on the face of the earth tomorrow, would you do what you want to do? Would you do what you're doing? Right. And, and that's a crazy question to ask, but it's like, well, let's strip it back. Let's actually get raw and real with this. And I kind of say to my clients, like, let's cut the bullshit, right? Would you actually do what it is that you're telling me you want to do if everyone disappeared off the face of the earth tomorrow? And they're like, oh, but that would be, oh, I might just answer the question right? It's actually get to the facts here. You know, I think that question is very powerful and very relevant. And I feel that we should be asking ourselves that question very often, actually daily. In fact, you know, those beliefs that you just mentioned, you know, that hold people back from reaching their full potential and that hold people back from touching their 120% in this lifetime, such as fear and I'm not good enough. And what will people think come up in every single session I have I just had a session with a new client and she wants to begin to share her story about sexual abuse uh, when she was a teenager and she wants to begin to help teenagers so that they don't make the same mistake and she's had this idea for a while now and I said well you know what's stopping you from doing that now what's stopping you from sharing your story now and she said well you know who am I to create any change? There's so many influences out there. There's so many influences talking about sexual abuse. There's so many other people sharing their messages like, who am I to create any change in this industry? And when I hear excuses like this, it's so important to tap back in to our purpose, to tap back into our why, to tap back into our greater vision and why we are called to serve in this unique way. Because right now, this particular woman was so self-centered, was so self-focused, right? I, I, who am I to do this work? Who am I to share my story? Rah, rah. We need to be driven by a greater vision. We need to tap back into why we are called to share our story, why we are called to do this work. And so I asked her, you know, like, why do you want to do this work? Why is it, why is it important to you? And she said, because I was deeply suffering at 13 and I want to inspire and empower, you know, the younger generation to not make the same mistakes as me. And I said, well, how important is it? You know, it's very important to me. I don't want to see another young teenage suffer the way that I suffered. And then I told her and I said, well, if it was really 
important to you, you'd be inspired to get out of bed in the morning and begin making change and transformation in the world in this aspect of life. Because at the moment, you're so focused on I. What will people think of me? I can't show up on social media. I can't talk on Instagram, rah, rah, rah. You need to constantly be pulled by your purpose, be constantly be pulled by your greater vision for your life. When you want to post on Instagram and share your story, you need to bring that 13-year-old girl up in your mind. And that is the energy that you need to begin sharing from, right? Reminding yourself that there are 13-year-olds out there that need to hear your message. They need to come from you. How can these young teenagers find you if your light is off? Right, yeah. if you've got that purpose and it's that's your default setting is your purpose, holy heck, imagine what life is like then. Your mm-hmm. default setting is your purpose, wow you know so for her it's like that is very powerful work and you know that type of work is very very powerful and she will make a huge huge impact on the world by just showing up because as scared as what she is is showing up those 13 year old girls are a shit ton scared you know more scared than what she is so it's remembering that is that it's like hey this like you say it's not about you this is about them yeah it's very very powerful and this is all mindset work it's unraveling all our beliefs and stories and just limiting self-sabotaging thoughts that we're constantly repeating to ourselves and it takes someone to acknowledge that that's why i think you know coaching and therapy is so so powerful because they shine a light on our stories and our self-sabotaging ways which goes more into your work kate so you speak a lot about mind state instead of mindset. I haven't heard mind state too much in the personal development movement. I'd love it. Just explain what you mean by mind state and how that is different to mindset. It's very, very powerful, right? Mm. The words that we say are the words that you know we understand and that's the way we live our life. When we think of mindset, if we break it up, right, the mind is actually just the brain in action. Right. If someone, if I say to someone like, where's your mind? Could be anywhere. Interesting question. Right. Where's the brain? Well, it's inside, inside my head. Right. It's this, this thing inside my head. So the mind is anywhere, right? The mind is very exploratory. The mind is very creative. The mind can be anything. I've heard people witness and, and experience and relate to their mind in many different facets. Right. So the mind is kind of this moving construct thing right Mm -hmm. and when someone if we think of the word set right it's pretty self-explanatory you set something it's set that way now if someone comes to me and says hey Kate I want a positive mindset my first initial response is well good luck with that because you cannot set the mind in a positive way 24 7 365 that is impossible right over 80,000 thoughts a day through the mind right? The mind is constantly going through states, various emotions, various experiences, various hormone changes, everything throughout the day. And if we don't adapt the mind to be able to understand the states in what we're experiencing, it's a very tough world. So my biggest thing is to allow people to understand, hey, you're experiencing a state of anger right now. This is how your mind deals with that. 
Hey, you're experiencing a state of happiness right now. This is how your mind deals with that. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're experiencing a state of fill in the blank, right? If the mind doesn't know how to dance with the state of what's experiencing, again, it's a very, it's a very tricky thing, right? So many people focus on only positive emotions. And I think that's where we can run into a bit of trouble. And I kind of say people expecting to live in fairyland, right? Mm -hmm. Is that I love the thought of fairyland. Don't get me wrong, but is it realistic? No, I'm really sorry. It's not. And for any listeners like what? I'm all about the power of positivity, 100%. But if you are trying to be super positive all the time, you're actually coming from a place of lack, right? You're coming from a place of like, I need to be happy all the time. But why? Could you just live in a place of freedom and be okay with happy and okay with angry, happy, okay with sad and okay with joy, right? Could you just have a dance between the two and know how to work through every state? Because it's inevitable you are going to experience some types of negative emotions. May they be small or large. And I hope for everyone that they're small. And if you don't know how to deal with those at an unconscious and conscious level, you're going to run into a bit of trouble right? It's kind of like saying the duality of a situation, you know, do you have a coin and say, well, I only like the shiny side, right? And Mm. shy away from the side that's grimy and and doesn't look very pretty, you Mm. know, like, well, the coin then isn't the coin, right? Mm. And the coin is a representation of life. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be ebbs and flows. And if you don't know how to work through those and work with them, you know, being the very predominant thing, work with it, it's going to work against you. And like Mm -hmm. I say, if you don't use the mind, it will use you. And if you don't know how to regulate your emotions and understand and be aware of your emotions, especially negative emotions when they come up and be able to navigate your way through those, it's a tough tough time, right? And that's Mm -hmm. where we hear the term, I feel stuck, right? Mm -hmm. Change is hard, right? And it's like, it is just the way it is. You know, I'm just like this. It's like there's both sides to the coin here, which do you want to perceive, right? Because what you perceive, you believe. And again, that navigation of being able to work through the different states rather than just focusing on only a positive mindset, like, yes, invest your time a lot within the the emotions and energy that you want, but also understand how to navigate through the things that you are, are a bit clunky or negative emotions or things you don't really want to experience. Because if you don't understand the roadmap in those you're going to get stuck. You will get lost. So talking about mind state work, I know that you work a lot with diet. You work a lot with health and people's nutritional intake. If someone was wanting to change and transform their diet, would you go straight to the mindset work or would you look at their diet first? Kind of like what would be the first thing that you would look at? Right. If you're trying to get to see how did you actually get from A to B? What was that? People don't know. People are like, oh, I don't know. I just did it. How did you do it? I don't know. I just started setting my alarm and I kind of got up most mornings and then I, I just kind of stopped eating a little bit of fast food. Great. How did you do that? I don't know. I just did it. So that's when I start to understand, right, where's the, where's the on button to do that, right? Again, meeting someone where they're at. Where is your on button? Where's it stored in the mind? What is your motivation to get you from A to B so that I can start adding to that? and get you from B to C. Because again, it, it is the why, right? Why do, you, why do you want to lose that weight? Why do you want to lift that weight? Why do you want to clean up your nutrition? If people's why isn't strong enough, 
right? Yeah. It is a very, very weak project. And people have to understand is that, especially with nutrition, if you're not eating the foods that you like, that still align with your goals, you are wasting your time. If you are eating foods that you do not like in order to gain a certain outcome, you are wasting your time. You may very well get there, but it will be a very slow process in that sense, you know? So it's understanding is like, start understanding what is your why and, and how big is that? Because in finding a formula that works for you, if you don't find a formula that works for you, it's, it's slow. It's really, really slow and it's clunky and it's tough. And I always say to my clients with nutrition, no matter what food you're going to eat, ask yourself this question, how do I want to feel in two hours time? Do mm -hmm. I want to feel high energy, high vibing? How do I want to feel tomorrow? Because mm -hmm. what you eat today dictates tomorrow, how you wake up in the morning, how much energy you've got, how much everything else. That's what dictates that. So meal by meal is where it's at. You know, set yourself a goal. Absolutely set yourself a plan, but also be very present in eating because meal by meal, it's very easy to be like, oh, I had a great breakfast. I had a great lunch. Oh, but I ate X, Y, Z, right? And be mm -hmm. present with every single meal, you know, and, and really understand mm -hmm. it. I always say definitely seek advice because there's so much on the internet that doesn't match people's metabolic rates or, or bodies. So definitely mm -hmm. seek advice in that sense from whoever it might be, a trusted professional that you know or can be recommended to you or whatever it might be. And, you know, understand they are the expert. They know what they're doing. So listen to their advice. Don't try and add your own thing in there. Yeah, nutrition and diet is huge, huge conversation. It's massive mindset work. I love it how you do the future pacing and you tap into how do you want to feel in two hours time? How do you want to feel tomorrow? How do you want to wake up tomorrow morning? Because the truth is that the body that you have today is a direct reflection of the actions that you took in the past. So if you want a different body, then you need to look forward future pace into the future. What is your desired outcome? And then begin to take those actions that match that desired outcome today. Kate, I could seriously talk to you all day. We're gonna to begin to wrap it up. I wanted you to explain a little about your monthly membership and your one-on-one -on -one container and what you offer and kind of what that looks like. Yeah, we have uh, what we call the Empower You membership. And that is, it's $19 US a month. Um, and to, in that we have uploaded masterclasses every week that are predominantly mind state or nutrition based. We have recipes galore and we have recipe packs that come out every month. Now for those people that are into nutrition, those have your macronutrient breakdown, your calorie breakdown. They tell you if they're vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free, the lot. Uh, and then we also have like an area of, of lifestyle, you know, a heap of articles and videos mm -hmm. just to be able to say, okay, what does the female menstrual cycle look like and why do we have it? And, and how can I, you know, understand that better? What is stress? What is sleep? What are these things at a deeper level? And I kind of like to really, my whole nature is bringing in the holistic at a really deep level and also bringing in the science at a really deep level. So it's not a bunch of gibberish that people can't understand, but it's also very factual so that people are like, okay, you know, um, and then we have sort of like an athlete section. So I work and have worked with, you know, Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit, um, rugby, motorsport, the lot for a very long time. So we kind of have like an athlete section that's for them as well. But we have a ton of just everyday people who aren't even into the gym and just want to feel better about themselves join the membership because it's kind of like, and my clients commonly say to me, it's like having you in my back pocket. 
you know, which I absolutely love. So the first step is join the membership. You know, you get a seven day free trial anyway. And then from there, if you feel, you know, I always say to people, right, I actually like to save people money is the biggest thing. And people are like, how's that good for your business model? I'm like, look, don't worry about my business model. I want to save you money, right? So from the membership, if people are like, okay, I actually want more of this. I want to go deeper. I want to understand more. I want to know more. Great. Send me an email. You know, we've got some new coaching packages coming out in 2022, which is super exciting. The most powerful thing I find, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, when you have that phone call with that person, you know what they need, right? You hear what they need because the problem is often never the problem. Amazing, Kate. Well, I'm going to put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing. I just want to ask you one more question. And that is what are three books that you would recommend someone? Variety, right? Totally. So uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Absolute game changer for me. I, you know, in another part, very quickly, I escaped back surgery twice. Uh, I got told I would, yeah, I got told, you know, from a CrossFit accident that I had that I would, I'd never walk again, you know, I'd never CrossFit again, all these things. That book changed my entire life. So that is definitely my number one. Um, Number two would probably be Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now, probably The Untethered Soul by... uh, Michael Singer. That's a very, very cool one as well. Very cool one. So good, Kate. I love all those books. Kate Irvine, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. You're such an amazing, inspiring and empowering woman. And yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. For the listeners out there, I'll put all Kate's details down on the show notes. Have a beautiful day, Kate, and we'll chat soon. Thank you so, so much. And you know, it's, it's, it's received and it's given straight back at you because for people like yourself in the world, like we need us, you know, now more than ever. And I think it's it's you tapping into the community, into the wider population, into the world. And I think a podcast is so, so powerful. Mm, I totally agree, sister. Keep inspiring, keep empowering and take good, good care. <laughs>